How many of you needed that this morning? I'm sure many of you are like this, but music just works for me. The Lord uses music in such profound ways in my life from the way chords are played out from melodies that are soaring over chords, sometimes the the intense music even that gets you ready for the fight and the stuff that just breaks your heart and allows you to feel what you need to feel in the moment. And the Lord is so good to give us that gift. As we talked about last week, you know, it uses our emotions, which are meant to support and to be experienced in our life, but it's not the thing to, that's to dictate what we do next. That is the truth and the direction of the Lord. But when we hear songs like that, when we get to sing and reconnect emotionally with our faith, it's a lot like relationships, isn't it? You've been in the car perhaps with your spouse or your buddies or something and you hear a song from back in the day and it just transports you. Right? You, you hear the same sounds that you heard from back then. You, you feel the same atmosphere and perhaps smell the same smells of the, the time at the ocean or that meal that was being prepared or something like that or the perfume she was wearing. There's just this thing, right? Music just brings it all right back and allows us to reconnect in that relationship. You know, you and I need times like this. We need an opportunity like we're trying to provide this morning where we we block out all that stuff that we've been dealing with, the battle that we've been fighting out there, the way that we're tripping ourselves up and just reconnect. And the Lord is so good to give us that opportunity, isn't he? We've all met Jesus. If we have met him, I should say, we've all met him through our need. Our relationship started with him when we finally surrendered the fact that he brought everything that we aren't, that he connected with us, all the things that we can't provide for ourselves. And so we were introduced to Jesus by this great need. And so as we surrendered to that, we acknowledged, okay, he brings everything to the table I can't bring. He pays all the debts that I can't afford. He forgives me in ways that I'm nowhere near capable of forgiving myself. We've all been down that road. And yet somehow he provides it and Jesus meets me where I need him the most. And my relationship with him begins there. Even for those of you that needed to be stimulated um, logically more, you needed your answer, your questions answered. You needed God to make sense on some level. And because he's so good to us and he's faithful and he's the giver of these things, he comes and meets us in that way too. But regardless, we've all met Jesus. We've been introduced to him through our need of him. And as most relationships do, they, that introduction happens and perhaps some official start to our relationship begins or ensues. And then there's testing that starts happening. There's the, there's the naysayers out there that don't think we should be surrendering our hearts and our wills and our very lives to this controlling, manipulative God. So we have the pressure out there of why would you give up all of your hopes, dreams, and ambitions to serve someone you can't see? And then there's an enemy out there, the great enemy himself, Satan, who who doesn't care a thing about us, just hates our father so much that he'll take us out in the process so that his reputation gets damaged, so that we look like we don't have a God that can hold us together. And then there's us, right? Don't we sabotage our own relationship with Jesus? Because we get in our own way, our, our flesh trips us up. And so the relationship endures that testing and God by his grace allows us to weather that. And, and if you've experienced this at all, when you go through those hard times and you kind of come through them, we have a tendency to then start to relax. Our relationship levels out or we think it's leveling out a little bit. 
We've experienced this in human relationships with, with the opposite sex or with our families, our friends or something. We, the, the, the facade starts to slowly, um, diminish, you know, after the third, fourth or fifth date. Now we're not necessarily paying for every meal. We're not opening every car door or something along those lines because why? The old phrase is, I've got the girl. Why do I have to keep doing the work? Right? No, no one's going to admit to that this morning. <laughs> I work like it's every day, right? And so we have a tendency to take those relationships for granted and we level out. The, the problem is, is we can't approach our relationship with God this way because he does not level out. He is not allowing himself, can't allow himself to level out. Because what we've done with that relationship, when we think we're leveling out, it's we've contained it. We've, we've gotten that other person to meet our needs, to fit our comfort zones, to do the things we like to do and to fit the lifestyle we want to live. God doesn't get shrunk down, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, systematic theology has a, a phrase for it. It's ineffability. Ineffability means that there's this grandeur of God. There's this greatness of God, the bigness and the majesty and the beauty of God is something that we get glimpses of. We get tastes of because he's merciful to share that with us. But our beingness, our, our finiteness runs into a ceiling. We can only comprehend him so much. And eventually we run into this point where we have to just acknowledge, I can't contain him. I can't shrink him down. I can't put him in my pocket so that he's the God of my own making so that he's the God of my own design that just goes with me where I want him to go gives me the blessings I want him to give me, gives me the peace when my world is rocked, but then stays out of it when everything's good. Hey, I didn't ask for you yet. You quiet down in my pocket. I didn't ask for you. Ineffability says that God can't be reduced that way. So when our relationship starts to experience this drought, this friction, this this kind of distance from God, more than likely what ends up happening is we come to the realization that we've tried making him fit our design instead of us being his design fitting him. And so this song that we're going to hear is basically, it's a song of challenge, but it's also a great song of repentance. It's why do we do this to the Lord? Why do we think that we can, that we can control him and manage him and tame him that way? The reality is we can't. And when we discover why that's impossible, it becomes this great blessing to us that we can't help but say, praise the Lord. Let's listen together. A scene comes to mind from The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. If you know that story, if you've seen even the movies of the Narnia series, really incredible things there. If you have young children, encourage you to watch those with them. The author, C.S. Lewis, uh, did uh, just such a great job paralleling the story of Christ and the, the saving of his people and just our depths of our sin and depravity and things. And towards the end of the first uh, story, uh, Lucy, who is the young child, who's the demonstration of just faith and purity and wholehearted belief in Aslan, who is a lion and the character of Christ and the story and the typology rule of Christ. And, and as she's watching from a high place, she's watching Aslan walk off. And in the movie, you can see he's leaving these paw prints and he's going down the shore, just wandering away. And she's not ready to let go of him yet. They've been through so much together. He's rescued her. He's proven himself to her. He's become a great friend to her and she's just found so much uh, life in him. And so her, her little uh, child cheeks are all wet from tears. And she says to her friend, Mr. Tumnus, will he ever be back? And, and wisely he responds, I don't know. He's not a tame lion, you know. 
The idea that Mr. Tumnus is demonstrating here for us is that Christ is not the person that we can reduce. He's not the one that answers to our whims. He's not the one that, that bows to our fancies. Martin Luther, the great reformer, says this. He says, our God is outside, below, and above every creature. But we cannot reconcile ourselves to this thought. God then is outside of everything that exists, for he says, the heaven is my throne. So we must extend far above the heaven and the earth is my footstool. So we must also be in the entire world. He ascended up far above all heavens that he might fill all things. Luther continues. He says, thus spake a certain philosopher. God is a circle, the center of which is everywhere and the circumference nowhere. When you and I experience a distance between what we are experiencing in our reality and what we know the Lord is capable of providing, who the Lord is, in fact, who he is. So often, if we just look in the mirror and we say, you that I see in front of me have shrunk your God. The prosperity guys will say, well, that means because God's big, he wants to supply and he wants to provide and all these kinds of things. All we're talking about is who God already is. We take who he is, the greatness of him, and we reduce him into somebody we want. Why would we do that? He's the one that we fell in love with from the beginning. He's the one that when we hear that song, we reminisce and we're moved by all over again. He never changes. He never loses that character. He never loses that power. It's us who walk away. And so we want to invite you this morning to come back. Take a moment like you have this morning. Take, a, take time to reconnect with the Lord and to confess, Lord, I have shrunk you. I have tried to reduce you to somebody I can manage. And I understand you're not tameable. You answer to yourself. If you haven't begun a relationship with the Lord and you've been resting on religion or what we would call effort or duty or trying to impress God, your relationship needs to start from a place of need, a place of surrender. This great God is not one to be trifled with, but he's also not one to be matched. Why would you even try? Instead, surrender and humble yourself and receive his gift of salvation. Confess your guilt, your need for it because of the sin that you were born into this world with that makes you like all of us. For those of you that have already prayed that prayer, you've taken that next step in your journey. There is a simple step that a lot of people hesitate on, and that's a step of baptism. Baptism provides for us this great picture. We believe that Jesus came, carried the sins of our lives, even sin's future on his shoulders, was, was crucified, was buried, and was risen again conquering death and the power of sin in our life. And baptism is our picture to demonstrate that we believe all that. It's also a testimony to all of you folks that we're in the family, that we're, that we're following Jesus. And so a lot of people, things get weird when we challenge people on baptism. And, and two things always come up. One is fear, because we ask you to share your story with people that need to hear it. And that's scary. If God is truly beyond what we can comprehend, if he's stronger than what we can muscle and wrestle down ourselves, then why would we even hesitate by his strength? And the second thing that people always hesitate on is inconvenience. So when we put God in his proper place, we understand how big and how great he is. He overcomes our fear and he, he's not one to fit into our schedule. We fit into his. 
So we invite you to join us in the waters of baptism on August 19th. A couple of steps we need to get you ready. So it begins with just signing up, as you saw in the video. So out in the entryway, let us know, and we'll be in touch with you right away. It's time to take that step. It's time to no longer hesitate and shrink God into the box you think he fits in, because he doesn't. He's greater than all that. When he takes up residence in our hearts and releases us from our sin, he gives us an identity as his child. The Bible says that when you're in his grip, no man can pluck you from his grip, and that includes you and me. That's the identity that he's given us. Let's celebrate in these things this morning. Let's worship in these things this morning. And let's connect with who the Lord is, not the one we've made. Would you please stand and continue in worship?